sometimes I'd be swayed one way, and sometimes I'd be swayed the other. Mm. I reached my conclusion really after the last day of questions and answers. CBS's We Judge Ag. The president's team was not expecting this vote at all. And we have learned that as recently as one day ago, Senator Romney was telling the president's allies that he was going to vote along with Republicans. Mr. Trump is scheduled to address the nation later today. The price of American soybeans, pork and car parts will be going down in China. Beijing has announced it's cutting tariffs on $75 billion worth of American imports. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. The biggest beneficiary would be a Chinese consumer. And that tariff won't get passed on to the consumer. But this could also help certain United States exporters who might see more of their goods sold into the Chinese market. Federal officials are blocking New Yorkers from signing up for a program that lets you get past airport security more quickly. Live to correspondent Peter King. Deborah, Homeland Security officials say it's because of a new state law that blocks federal immigration officers from accessing motor vehicle records. The so-called green light law allows illegal immigrants to apply for driver's licenses in New York. DHS can get DMV information only with a court order. The trusted traveler ban comes after President Trump slammed New York for being a sanctuary city and advised that a Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo calls the move politically motivated. Deborah, A federal push to stop teenagers from vaping is kicking in. Here's CBS's Tom Hansen. A partial ban on flavored e-cigarettes takes effect today. It outlaws the sale of fruit, dessert, and mint-flavored pods popular with teenagers. It's part of the Trump administration's effort to reduce youth vaping, which health officials say has reached epidemic levels. Lawmakers in Vermont are taking up a bill to decriminalize prostitution. Among them, Celine Colburn. She says it'll make the trade safer. If sex workers of any gender aren't afraid of prosecution, if they come forward with concerns about more coercive conditions, um, they're much going to be much more willing and able to come forward. S&P futures up nine. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. This week, find great deals at Walgreens. Right now, 12-pack Pepsi products are three for $9.99 with card. Limit three. Plus, select varieties of all-brand laundry care are $1.99 with coupon and card. Get great deals on the everyday essentials you need right here at your neighborhood Walgreens. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. While supplies last, restrictions and exclusions apply. See store for details. What's in store this week at your local Staples? A front row seat to savings. All month long at Staples, you can save up to 40% on select chairs. Executive or desk chairs for the office. Right now, up to 40% off. And gaming chairs for your home. Also up to 40% off. So whether you're outfitting your home, your office, or your home office, take a seat and save big all month long at Staples. Where there's a whole lot more in store. Ends 229.20 while supplies last. A revelation from a Hollywood actress. Actress Jamila Jamila has come out as queer amid backlash over her role in a new competition show. Jamil tweeted the three-page statement titled, Twitter is Brutal. Earlier this week, she announced she'd be a judge on the new HBO Max competition show, Legendary, where contestants will be placed on voguing teams. The style of dance was created by black and Latino LGBTQ communities, which led some online to say her spot should have gone to a member of the queer or trans community. The 33 year old said she added a rainbow to her Twitter name a few years ago when she felt ready. 
Matt Piper, CBS News. Who says the newspaper business is dead? The New York Times may be a new model for the digital age. It's touting milestone online readership in the first quarter. That's the fourth quarter. The company says it's passed 5 million subscriptions, more than half from new online readers. Reports traditional ad revenue down. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Brought to you by Attorney Tax. If you're in trouble with the IRS and owe at least 10000 in back taxes, listen to this important public announcement. The IRS is now offering a special program called the Fresh Start Initiative, which can offer significantly reduced settlements that can reduce your liability by thousands of dollars. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and substantially reduce or eliminate your tax burden. If you're approved and qualified, the IRS will stop the collections against you. Don't feel overwhelmed. Please. Please call the Consumer Hotline to see if you qualify. 800-333-9896. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you may qualify for substantial relief and even forgiveness. See if you qualify and get the help you need by calling the Consumer Hotline. 800-333-9896. 800-333-9896. The 2020 Bridal and Healthy Living Expo will be hosted at the OUN on Sunday, March 1st from 1 to 4 p.m. There will be prize giveaways and numerous vendors that can help you with your planning, whether it be a wedding, reunion, or any special event. Come by and leisurely walk through the solarium, tavern, and ballroom areas and mingle with family and friends. So come and join us at the OUN on Sunday, March 1st. If you are interested in being a vendor at the 2020 Bridal and Healthy Living Expo, please call 740-593-6651, extension 1. Veteran-owned True Blue is raising the bar in plumbing with the best guaranteed prices and superior quality. Using the latest in plumbing technology, True Blue has the capability to identify problems in your pipes or inspect for home purchase using a full-color camera while capturing video and watching in real time. They're committed to providing you honest and upfront service and offer free return service if the problem isn't fixed. Call them 24-7 at 740-590-5400. With a lifetime of experience and a desire to be the best in the business, True Blue is committed to being true to you. See yourself with season tickets to 2020 Bobcat football. 10-5, 6 for the Cats. Ohio's won three straight bowl games, and the six-game home schedule includes Marshall and Buffalo. Season tickets are on sale now with packs for as low as 35 bucks a seat. Can only make it to the Saturday home games? No problem. We've got you covered with the brand-new Saturdays at Peden Plan. Call 800-575-2287 or log on to ohiobobcats.com. See yourself with season tickets to 2020 Ohio football. Did you know that a full 10% of all drivers admit to driving when their check engine light is on? That light is your vehicle's way of telling you there's a problem, and if left unattended, can lead to bigger problems. So if your check engine light is on, visit Russell's Riverside Auto Repair, the go-to guys for automotive repair. They'll run the most up-to-date diagnostics, fix any problems, and get you back on your way. Russell's Riverside Auto Repair, 136 Columbus Road in Athens, or call 592-2723. At Ohio Health, we believe change can be good, and much has changed throughout the years. Our primary care has expanded. Our departments have gained recognition and certification for their excellence. We are committed to treating Southeast Ohio to the best care and the best medicine possible. Visit OhioHealth.com slash to see all the changes we've made for the good of our region. 
Our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. My oh my, it's soupy out there. I uh, I don't think I've ever seen smaller raindrops. also makes it kind of foggy in places so be careful out there please hey we got a special edition today got a guest mario grijalva he's a longtime friend and we've had some common experiences We're going to introduce him to you here in just a moment. Yeah, folks, by all means, you should be using those headlights this morning. It's just um, it's just weird out there. It's going to get weirder. In fact, I guess there's even mention of snow. Uh, is that right, Scott? Snow down the way here? Yeah, overnight tonight. And we're just saying we could have an inch. Okay. Now your mic is wrong. Not on. I'm on three. If there. I listen here, if I put on okay. three. Oh, well, it's it? terrible in mine. Um, Try one more time. Oh, you have you didn't have headphones on. Okay, yeah, here we go. go. There. A little hum. Okay, yeah. a lot of hum. Like anyway, our uh, Mario, say something. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hey, see, you sound great. Okay, we're all set. Um, anyway, uh, weather-wise, folks, we're going to have to watch it the next few days, okay? That's all there is to it. 46 are high today, 28 tonight, 35 tomorrow, 23 Friday night, and so on and so forth. Mario Rihalva, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Listen, um, you know, I've known you from Rotary and different uh, organizations that we both belong to, and and uh, but, 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 you know, there's some things... We're friends, but I really don't know some points of your background, so forgive me if I ask a dumb question. So where were you raised? Where where were you born? Uh, well, you know, thank you very much for uh, the invitation to speak to uh, your audience today and to have this conversation. It's wonderful to be here in this uh, foggy morning in <laughs> Athens, Ohio. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I was born in Quito. Quito is the capital of Ecuador. and um, Now, a, when I went down there, that's where I flew into. And then when I left there th- that summer, I, came, well, I went out of Guayaquil. And the two cities are so remarkably different. I felt safe in Quito. I didn't feel so safe in Guayaquil. Well, they are very different, partly because of where they are located. Quito is in the Andes Mountains. It, um, it is 9,000 feet um, high above sea level. And so the climate is very mild, very temperate. If you think about the best day weather-wise in May here in Athens, that is about every day in Quito mm-hmm. and in that region of Ecuador. Whereas Guayaquil is in the lower part of, uh, in, the, in the coastal area, about uh, in sea level, is a... Uh, is the largest city in Ecuador and is a port city. 
Yes. So big cities have big problems on both Quito and Guayaquil. Uh, you know, they are big cities. But uh, perhaps in Guayaquil, uh, there is a little bit more of a... Of a more movement, if you will, because of the tropical climate and because of the fact that it's a, it's a port city. Well, the, the feeling was there was some sort of... Now, this was back in the 60s. But there was a concern about communism back then. Uh, at least it was expressed to me that there were certain groups that were encouraging that. In well, Guayaquil. There was a lot of uh, back and forth. You know, those those are the years of the Cold War. And, you know, the, the superpowers were playing uh, uh, this uh, board game with the geopolitics in the region. So there was a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, politics have always been messy, and, and they continue to be messy. They're messy everywhere. <laughs> yep, they are messy everywhere, and uh, that's uh, probably why yeah. I became a scientist, so Maybe. I don't have to uh, deal with uh, that. <laughs> well, let's see, so uh, you're, you, um, um, Quito, Ecuador, your home, uh, your parents' backgrounds? So my dad was uh, a cattleman. He really? was into dairy, uh, dairy farming. And, uh, you know, it's a very interesting story because my grandfather was a very intellectually minded person. He was the principal of a high school in one of the provinces in northern, uh, northern Ecuador near the border with Colombia. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't a man of means. So my father, when he was uh, in uh, you know, his, his uh, teenage years, he wanted to have... A better education than what could be gotten in that particular uh, spot, but my grandfather couldn't afford to mm. send him anywhere. So uh, my grandma gave. Now let me just ask: Were there public schools? They were public schools, yes. And then, but it would be better if he could have attended a private school. Uh, yes, but it was also the issue of this. You know, back then, uh, the city of Tulcan was very small. Yes. And so I didn't have many opportunities. So my grandmother gave him uh, 500 sucres, which we would be equivalent to $500, and said, you know, son, this is the only thing I can give you. Mm. Good luck. Mm. So he went to the city of Ibarra, about uh, 200 miles south, and went to high school and, uh, you know, it, uh, he made himself into a, a, you know, got proper education and by the uh, time he was 25, he was a manager of a branch bank. Wow. Um, and uh, he uh, went on to be the founder and manager of uh, uh, sort of a credit union mm -hmm. uh, in Ecuador that was geared towards farming and uh, providing <laughs> opportunities to people. And uh, so he was uh, an engine that helped develop the the industry in Ecuador. Uh, so he was a banker and he was a farmer. And I grew between the city of Quito and the farm in a little town called Cayambe, mm -hmm. north of Quito, you know, uh, enjoying uh, walking in the pastures and helping uh, with the chores on the farm and also goofing around and riding horses and getting muddy. Your mother, did she have a... Um 
would you say a professional background at all? No, no, okay. she she uh, didn't. She she and my dad were were true partners. Okay, uh, and you know, so mom would help dad with the with the things of the farm, and and uh, now, they traveled together. Brothers and sisters. Um, yep, brothers and sisters. They all live in Ecuador right now. How, how uh, many were in the family? Uh, there were two brothers. Uh, there are two brothers and two sisters. Okay. Um, and uh, so the, I'm counting. Uh, let's see, two, four, five, six, seven in the family, eh? Seven in the family, yes. And uh, it was a, it was a uh, a good uh, a good experience, I guess, to have. Uh, to be the youngest. I am the youngest of the family as well. I was just going there. <laughs> I, I, I was just about to ask, where, where did you rank in age amongst the group, but you were the youngest child? Yes, okay. I was. I was. Now, um, Mario, you've had, uh, you know, advance. You, you've got, of course, your undergraduate, graduate, doctoral degree, all this sort of stuff. And we'll get into what. It's what it, it well we can say you're a professor of biomedical sciences. You're also here in Athens the director of the Infectious and Tropical Disease Institute, which is part of our College of Medicine, the Heritage College. But before we get to all of that, how in the world did you come to have the opportunities for all these educational uh, attainments? Well, it was it was my mom and dad's um, um, thing, you know. My my dad valued education, and he would tell me, you know, the only thing I can really give you is education. You know, everything else is fluff. Everything, it, all the materials, possessions we have, they can go away. But education is what what uh, is really important, and so he. I want to make sure I'm understanding the word. Did you say vocation or education? Education. Okay. Education. So I, um, I was uh, had the opportunity to go to a very high ranked high school mm-hmm. in Quito, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, to uh, a good private university where I got uh, first rate education, and and that uh, opened really my horizons, you know. The university being where? Uh, in Quito. Okay. Um, and it's a pontifical Catholic university of Ecuador. And I still maintain a, a strong collaboration with, uh, with that university. And so that really is, uh, is something that I reflect all the time. You know, back then, um, only a fraction, a minimal fraction of uh, people from Ecuador had the opportunity to go to the university. And I was very fortunate to do that. And reflecting back, even fewer got a chance to get into graduate school and get an advanced degree. So I always have felt that these opportunities for education that I had, um, you know, give me a sense of, of responsibility and a sense of duty to give back because of the opportunities that I had. I was I was privileged, and I I think that this privilege can be uh, is in a way uh, something that motivates me to try to share those opportunities with others, and to promote education, and promote health, and to promote uh, the type of uh, um, development that is needed in places like you know rural Appalachia. Yeah. 
where where well, not many people have those opportunities. I may have uh, just not been paying attention at the moment, but did you mention your uh, master's degree was from where or your doctoral degree and so on? I got my doctoral degree um, at Ohio University. I didn't get a master's. I went straight for the doctorate. And uh, I was uh, part of the molecular and cellular biology program here. How did you come to select Ohio University, coming from Ecuador? You know, it was all about interpersonal relations. Uh, I forget to turn my phone (laughs) off. I'm sorry. (laughs) Keep going, please. I'll silence it. That is a great uh, ringtone, by the way. What do they call it? Chewbacca or something? (laughs) Okay. Um, um, Yes. So... As I was finishing my undergrad, a group of uh, professors from Ohio University visited Ecuador. And my advisor back then uh, said, hey, you know, these these foreigners are coming. Would you like to take them around uh, uh, to Otavalo, one of the the tourist uh, attractions in Mm -hmm. Ecuador? And I Mm -hmm. said, yeah, sure, you know, I'd be glad to do so. We all went in. I, I had a 1971 uh, Toyota Land Cruiser. It was a three-speed <laughs> with a with a wheel. You know, uh, 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 you know, it was everything was mechanic. Everything rattled and everything. Yeah, so yeah. I I packed these these uh, visitors into that old car and we drove uh, to Otavalo and we had a fantastic time and I really enjoyed uh, the visit and I really enjoy their personality and so they at the end of the the visit they say hey would you consider applying to ohio university and you know the rest uh, just sort of happened that's good (laughs) yeah it it took a lot of effort though a lot of effort well you arrived in athens when i arrived in january 5th 1992 92 yes okay Um, Now, uh, you know, I I think you can guess what I'm going to ask next. Uh, Besides the educational and the profession and all that stuff, which we're going to bring out still, yet, rather, um, you must really like Athens. Oh, I love Athens. Why? Is is the community, is is the sense of safety that I get, uh-huh. is the sense of being close to nature and being close to to you know people that are genuine i I really like that uh, when i as I grew up as I mentioned, Quito was already a large city, and I was you know like a large city with with big problems and since my my family uh thanks to the efforts of my dad was a family of means you know he got to be um, uh, wealthy, I I had to grow up with the paranoia of those that are uh, wealthy, of you know having to be always in the lookout for uh, safety and security. Mm-hmm. That were an issue in the eighties in in uh, Quito, and it still is, you know, as in every city, big city in the world. So when I came to Athens as a student. I love the sense of safety. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy the sense of you know living in a small community that 
um, where I could walk at whatever time of day or night without having to worry about any of that thing. And that was so liberating to me. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that. Plus, I make excellent friends here, and, and I enjoy the the fact that we have so many opportunities for outdoor activities here. You know, we have Strauss Run, we have Sales Park, we have Lake Hope, we are close to the Hocking Hills, and I enjoy that very much. Well, and you're a bicyclist, right? Yes, I, uh, I am a mountain biker. Yeah, I I really enjoy enjoy that. Uh, I had been dreaming to to pick up a bicycle forever, and I didn't do it until I was forty five. So I started in an old <laughs> age, and and uh, it really has become a, a passion. I have a couple friends who like truly log five thousand miles a year. I, that is that is a lot of miles. And <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I could name them, but I don't want to do that right now. Anyway, um, it's just remarkable what they do. Well, Mario, so Ohio University, in this, uh, you know, this, uh, you, your doctoral degree, and somewhere along the way, you you focused in on this uh, infectious diseases. Now, um, the one that you're particularly known for is called Chagas, Right. Right, These and and um, you know I want to talk about the coronavirus because that's really flying around right now. I don't mean that; that's not the right way to say it. But I mean it's a concern right now, um, out of China. Um, but Chagas, um, why did you zero in on that? Well, Chagas is a disease that I didn't know about. I didn't know it existed. As many many of your listeners probably never heard of Chagas disease, and but affects about 8 million people. And when I came to Ohio University, I started rotating in labs. Mm-hmm. And the first laboratory that I rotated was with uh, Dr. Edwin Rowland that happened to work in this disease that I never heard of, but that was... Uh, present in my home country, uh, or allegedly present in my home country, although the government uh, statistics got zero on them. So that piqued my interest. How it comes that this disease is in all the neighboring countries and not in Ecuador? That seemed a little weird. So I started doing some research um, and um, with help with my uh, Ohio University mm-hmm. and you know, discover and describe that it was a serious problem that affects about 200,000 people in the country and uh, causes severe, severe complications that are often fatal. Then the, just ask you, I hope you have this stat memorized. What is the population overall of Ecuador? Right now is about seventeen million people. Seventeen million, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the figure you just gave was was it two hundred or three hundred thousand? Uh, two hundred thousand people are affected um, by Chagas. Yes. Now the the disease is not distributed evenly throughout the country. Okay. Remember at the beginning we were talking about Quito being in the mountains mm-hmm. and Guayaquil being in the in the coastal area. So the the disease is transmitted by these bugs. These are blood sucking bugs. They are called kissing bugs, and they live only in the warmer parts of the country. Right. So all of the uh, the Andes and the interandian valleys don't have these bugs. So there are places that have no Chagas disease at all, 
and other places where you have 20-30% of the people infected. And, and that is really difficult. Now, Chagas, this is spelled uh, C-H-A-G-A-S, folks. Um, can it kill you? It can, it can. This parasite that is transmitted by the bugs, it gets into your system and it damages the heart and it damages also your um, the, the, the system that controls your uh, intestinal tract. Mm-hmm. So people develop chronic heart disease and is one of the most common causes of heart disease in Latin America. And it's so bad that people sometimes drop dead, literally drop dead, uh, because their heart gives out. Um, and but this surely isn't uh, moments after they've been bitten. No. Uh, this is uh, something that over time, if it's not treated, right? That's right. That's right. It okay. takes, as a matter of fact, 5 to 20 years. It's a long time. So now, um, um, a kissing bug, you called it. Is that anything, anything similar to like a mosquito? It's a lot larger than a mosquito. Okay. They call it kissing bug because they often feed at night when people are sleeping and they, you know, if you have the coverts on, what is uh, what is uh, showing is your face, right? Yes. And so these often bite in, bite in the face. Um, your audience might be interested to know that we have kissing bugs here in Ohio. I didn't know that. Yes, we do. There is uh, one species that is called Triatoma zangizuga. No wonder I didn't know it. I love that name, zangizuga, you know. (laughs) It has a certain ring to it, doesn't it? It has something ring to it. But this is present here, and this species, uh, it is is capable of transmitting Chagas disease, and it tries to get into people's homes. Uh, As a matter of fact, I have uh, two instances of uh, one of these bugs trying to enter my own home. I found one in the screen of my uh, window, and another one uh, was, uh, I found one dead. But every year there are reports of these uh, kissing bugs invading people's homes. Now, is not is the, the transmission of the parasite that causes Chagas disease is very inefficient. It's not easy to get infected. Okay. Because the bite of the bug doesn't transmit the disease. And that is super important. The, the parasite that causes the disease is found in the intestine of this kissing bug. So after uh, the bug feeds, it defecates. Okay. And is on the feces. On the surface of the skin or on the surface injected? Of the skin. So, well, but that is... That is uh, no, no, it doesn't inject it. So okay. it just deposits it. The, the feces on the on the surface of the skin, and then people have to scratch, and then self inoculate, get this parasite into the bite wound, or into the eyes, uh, and that's how the parasite gets in. Now the interesting thing about Triatoma zangizuga, that is different from other kissing bugs, is that it takes a little bit longer to defecate after the bite. Mm-hmm. So that means that. Most of the time, it does not defecate right after feeding, but later when it's already moved on. Yeah, and that is wonderful. Because so it could be on an entirely different individual. Well, it could be 
you know, well, it could be after it, it, it leaves and it's, it's going back to its hiding place. Yeah. So as long as, as the feces, the infected feces don't get uh, into the body, there is no transmission, and that is wonderful. Now, that is different from the bugs that happen in other places. Okay. Um, so because they defecate right after, and then it's, then it's the most dangerous. You know, we, we have, um, you say you live here in Athens, of course, and you've found two uh, in recent uh, times. So this is here. Um, you know, um, Dick Gaskell was here yesterday. He is the head of our health department, doctor. Um, is this, um, when was the last case of Shagas? I don't know, in our county, in our part of the state, in the state? I don't know. How does this happen? I don't think there has been, a, to my knowledge, there is not a case that of transmission here in our county or in Ohio that has been uh, documented. There has been cases elsewhere. There was a case recently in Delaware. There was Delaware, a case, Ohio? Uh, no, no, in, uh, the, in state. the state. Right. Uh, there has been cases of documented transmission, transmission in Tennessee okay. and uh, in uh, Louisiana and in uh, uh, in Texas, now um, being but not uh, not in Ohio, being mm-hmm. diagnosed and then being treated and resolved. Uh, I, I assume nobody's um, met a death out of this in the U.S. for some many years. Uh, n- well, as a matter of fact, there are about three hundred thousand people that are uh, thought to be infected in the United States. Mostly people that have come from Central and South America, and they already have brought the disease with them. But also, the disease can be transmitted from the mother to the fetus during pregnancy. And so there are about 15,000 estimated cases of congenital transmission of Chagas disease. That is where the mother has the disease, doesn't know that has it, that she has a disease and passes the disease on to the child. And that is a, that is a big problem worldwide. Okay, the, so mm-hmm. if it's diagnosed, can it be treated? Can it, can it be um, something that you eventually say, I no longer have it? The parasite can be eliminated. Uh, you can have medication that kills the parasite. They, the medications that are available are not Um, 100% uh, effective. As a matter of fact, there is a lot of uh, failure of the treatment, and also they cause severe side effects. So many people, especially in adults, have reactions that cause them to to have to stop the, the treatment. But it can be stopped. The problem is that the longer after you get infected that you get treated, the more um, the damage cannot be undone. So if your heart is already damaged by the parasite, you cannot recover. Your heart doesn't recover from that. So you remain uh, sick. Um, Now, it's not easy to get diagnosis, especially in areas of uh, rural um, southern Central America where the access to healthcare is not that... um, um, you know, it's not so easy to find healthcare, 
and to find diagnosis for this is, is difficult for people. So about 90% of those infected by this parasite are unaware. They don't know that they have the disease. Um, so mm. they cannot seek treatment. Well, um, okay, so if that's a remarkable figure. 90% may not even know they have it. And that affects also other aspects of our healthcare system. Sure. Another way of transmission of this disease is by blood transfusion sure. or by uh, organ donation. So in places where um, you have, uh, have you have the disease present, it's important to do a screening to make sure that the donor is not uh, doesn't carry the parasite. Does that happen? It does. It's it does a requirement. Happen. Oh yeah. Okay, so that's good. It it happens, and you know that is one of the. But things. should how do I want to say if um, we're very concerned about this coronavirus right now? Um, but the number of cases are just minuscule r relative to our the size of our nation. Now, if you're saying there's, uh, uh, what'd you say, 300,000? 300,000. 300,000 cases <coughs> existing in our nation, and many of whom don't know they have it. Um, so it could be even a larger number. The what? Why? Um, why isn't there some sort of required screening so people can be protected from each other as well as get better themselves? That is part of the big problem with Chagas disease. You know, it is a it is a disease that is dormant for a long time, and is a disease that usually affects people from disadvantaged backgrounds. From what? Disadvantaged backgrounds, oh, people that yes. live in poverty, people that have immigrated because of, of uh, hardships, and sometimes they don't have the the ability to go into, you know, the into to see a doctor. Um, so that is a big problem, and and that is why this disease is part of a group of diseases called the neglected tropical diseases. These are diseases that, as a group, they affect the most vulnerable population, those that are, you know, refugees, those that are in poverty, those that live in, in difficult circumstances, and they cannot afford to have health care or, or uh, you know, they, have, they are marginalized populations. And... These diseases don't make money for the pharmaceutical industry. If you have a, a drug that treats uh, diabetes, you know, as a drug company, you make millions of dollars out of that. I mean, billions of dollars. If you make a new drug to, try to treat Chagas disease, that is a disease for people that cannot afford to pay, then you don't make as much money, right? So there is a lot of neglect in terms of developing of new drugs, developing of new diagnostic tools, on developing an implementation of new ways to prevent the disease transmission. And, and that is part of the, the work that I do, is trying to find better ways to improve 
the access to diagnosis and improve the availability of treatment for people as well as things to prevent the transmission of the disease. So neglected tropical diseases are a major, major problem uh, worldwide. They affect about one billion people altogether. One billion people. I don't even know if my next question will make any sense, but I'll try it. How many, could you put a number to how many tropical diseases there are? Oh, well, uh, I mean, is it, you know, and then where does Chagas rank? In terms of, uh, so the tropical diseases, I, I think that is good to define what is a tropical disease. So a tropical disease is a disease that happens mostly in areas of the globe that are uh, between the, the um, you know, th that are in the tropical zone. Sure. Right? Uh, as, but that although they happen mostly there, they can also be found elsewhere. So the, the quintessential or the, the typical tropical diseases uh, are dengue fever, that is a major problem worldwide, malaria, Malaria kills so many people, uh, especially in Africa. It's it's unfathomable the the burden of disease mm -hmm. and, and of that. You have also uh, African trypanosomiasis, also known as um, the sleeping sickness, mm -hmm. that happens in Africa. You have schistosomiasis. Schistosomiasis is a liver fluke. Is a worm that. Uh, um, that damages your uh, the circulatory system in your abdomen and causes a lot of problems, uh, liver problems, and and is very common in Asia and in Africa and some parts of uh, uh, South America. Um, and you have uh, you have onchocerciasis, which is river blindness, um, and and many others like that. But there are other diseases that are also tropical diseases but they are now worldwide. For example, HIV. HIV happens in the tropics, right? It probably emerged from a tropical area and now is all over the place. And uh, many of uh, your listeners would have heard of uh, Zika virus mm -hmm. that was uh, in the news very prominently uh, a couple of years ago and continues to be a problem uh, el uh, in around the world. Well, that came out of the uh, uh, out of a tropical area, so there is a lot of emerging uh, diseases that are happening. Now there are other types of uh, of diseases like uh, roundworm. You can have roundworm almost everywhere, right? Um, and those, but those are also uh, tropical diseases. So it's hard to answer the question of how many diseases there are, but they are, uh, you know, part of our part of our uh, ecosystems in the tropical areas. There is a lot of diversity of life um, in the rainforests and in the jungles and in the um, in the warmer parts of the world. But also, that means that there is diversity of pathogens as well. Wow. Well, it just seems like. Um There must be a number of people like Mario Grijalva, who are 
each have selected a particular ailment and are trying to figure out how to discover it, that it's in someone or has taken a part of it's in their system, how to uh, keep it from getting worse, and hopefully even how to keep it, it to find a cure. Now, um, how do you guys ever communicate? Well, you know, fortunately, there is um, there is a close network of researchers worldwide that um, we are always supporting each other. So, you know, there is the, the scientific journals and the scientific literature um, that uh, where we communicate, but there are also other means. Uh, there are systems where people alert, uh, scientists alert each other of things that are going on. So, uh, you know, when outbreaks are happening in, in a place, there are alerts that come on and say, hey, you know, there is something weird going on here. We don't know what it is, but just be in the, in the lookout. Mm-hmm. And so there, is, there, is, uh, there are networks for communication. Now, communication is, is very important because the solution to many of these problems is technical and is about, you know, finding the right medicine or finding the right uh, um, diagnostic tool. Yes. But a lot of the problems come from lack of awareness. Lack of awareness from the people that live at risk of contracting these diseases. If they don't know what is out there, they don't know how to protect themselves. But there is also lack of knowledge by the public, lack of knowledge by the health authorities, lack of knowledge by the politicians. And all of that comes together to create this neglect, this abandonment of the issues. It's so obscure, if you will. Uh, of an issue that you don't pay attention. And sometimes even when uh, people in the areas that are most affected by that by these diseases, if they learn about it, they cannot do much because they have other more pressing priorities mm. that, are, that, are, that they need to tend to. So we, you know, if I may transition to, to tell you about this other project that we have... Well. Uh-huh. Let me just make sure. There's two other topics I want to talk about, and I think one of them is definitely where you were going. Um, the uh, There's a project that you got underway a few years back called Healthy Homes for Healthy Living, right? That is a project that tries to address the underlying causes for uh, Chagas disease transmission in southern Ecuador. We are trying to develop a model by which we will be able to protect families long-term from this bug, at the same time that they improve their way of life, and at the same time that they uh, are able to better provide for their families. So this is about changing the homes of people, or helping families get into better houses. And one of the reasons why we don't have Chagas disease transmission in the United States is because we have better housing in general. I mean, there are exceptions, of course, and, and but by and large, we don't get a lot of bugs or mosquitoes inside of the houses. There are screen windows, there are screen doors, 
our our houses are are basically sealed from insects because of the weather as well, right? So that is what we're trying to do to develop these these uh, we have developed this model for houses that are appropriate for the conditions of the people living in southern Ecuador, and and that is healthy homes for healthy living, a way of helping people get into a better living situation and protect themselves from Chagas disease. I mean, I don't want to sound overly simplistic, but simply putting screens on the windows of even an existing house, uh, making sure that the house is reasonably tight, that there aren't gaps between wood boards and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the housing conditions. I think at the age of 15 when I was down there, I wasn't paying that much attention. But it's not hard to put up screens. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that that will do it. That would do it. It doesn't take, you know, a rocket science to uh, to tighten up a house or make it bugproof. The problem, though, is that many of the houses are in such condition that they are unsafe. So the structure of the house is unsafe already. The walls are made of adobes. That is packed dirt, basically, with deep deep crevices where these bugs can hide. Uh, The roof sometimes is not very sound, uh, you know, structurally. So uh, you cannot really patch that type of house. The only solution is to modify the house, to change it, to, to, to completely demolish the house and exchange it, it for a new house. In fact, haven't you actually designed a, like a new home? Yes. We, uh, in, uh, with the participation of both sociologists and architects and biologists, we have designed a new home uh, that is appropriate for southern Ecuador. That is beautiful, is wonderful, and it protects families from the box at the same time that it changes every other thing about their lives. You know, they have better sanitation, so they don't get sick as much. Uh, They have better air circulation, so they have less respiratory diseases, a better kitchen, so they have um, better food preparation, and and so on and so forth. Folks, if you've listened to my show for any length of time, you know periodically I mention my experience in Ecuador. Um, and I was up in the Andes, and we would go up, and then here's a community. And they were doing their washing in the stream. Um, they're deposing, they're, they're putting their waste in the stream. Uh, they're drawing water from the stream for cooking and drinking and that sort of thing. But all of that then eventually comes down to the next village where they're doing all the same things. And then it continues on down the mountain to the next one. So the point is, um, virtually everybody is is carrying some form of parasite, Right. It is very common. It is very common. And mm-hmm. there's, um, you've been working on, and others too, certainly, trying to improve water resources in Ecuador. One of the wonderful projects that we 
uh, completed in the communities that we worked. And that was with support from uh, the Rotary uh, Club, um, spearheaded by the Rotary Club here in Athens, mm -hmm. was the construction of a drinking water system for uh, one of the communities that we uh, work in. And the transformation of having uh, potable drinking water is amazing in the health of the people. You really can tell how it changes uh, and improves automatically everything about the life of that family. Besides the fact that you don't have to walk two kilometers to the river to get water, right? So having the water come to you is right. something that we take for granted here, but is not very common. Now, we have a group of, uh, of students here at Ohio University that have been working for um, well, over the years, uh, many, many groups of students, but during the last year, to design a, a campaign to raise awareness about Chagas disease and also trying to raise funds for the construction of houses. Mm -hmm. And that has been so amazing. And so some have been done. I mean, they, you have built houses. Yes. Uh, we have built already seven houses. Yeah. And, and help improve some others. And now we are raising money uh, towards the eighth house. Now, I have fantastic news, actually, uh, that are, were delivered recently, um, and that we have now enough money uh, from different sources in Ecuador in, uh, and in the United States and some generated here in Athens to build one more house, the eighth house. We already have the funds. We're going to be building one more house, and I am hoping that we can raise enough money. We're almost there, but not quite yet. Enough money to build a second house this next uh, summer when we go down there. And so, you know, um, this, if I may put a plug, uh, this is something that is going to involve a number of events here in Athens, a number of fundraising events. We're going to have a Latino dance uh, party in, uh, in one of the places. Uh, the uh, ra uh, Run for a Race. Race uh, for a Reason. Uh, race for a Reason. Yeah. We're going to be one of the reasons for the race. Um, and, and other types of smaller events in collaboration with local businesses. And these local businesses, we're working with the Chamber of Commerce in Athens, are so amazing and working with our students in, um, you know, collecting a little bit of money and mm -hmm. a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, that goes a long way. So uh, if I may invite your listeners, if you are in one of the, uh, visiting one of the participated, uh, participating uh, businesses that are going to be working with us and you see a little jar for donations, you know, leave your change there. It will help. We're really short on time and I... Um, by all means, folks, uh, support this project, please. I remember Ram Gwandi, of course, uh, when he was around and, and very active in Rotary. I was president at the time of Rotary. And we raised money for a water well in a part of India where they just didn't have such a thing. And what it meant to have a water well with filtration and all the safety and all of that. This is huge important stuff folks 
And that's the same as what they're doing in this, these projects in Ecuador. Listen, uh, coronavirus, we can't go on without uh, mentioning this. Um, this is a thing that uh, Wuhan, China, um, it's uh, getting everybody uptight. Um, what's your um, knowledge of it? Well, it is, it is an, uh, an evolving situation. It certainly um, is a dangerous virus, is a virus that is spreading, um, and it has all of the elements, uh, all of the elements to become a pandemic. What is a pandemic? A pandemic is an infection uh, or, or something that starts in a particular place and then spreads globally. And that is, it seems like that is what is happening with coronaviruses, uh, with the coronavirus. Now, it is important to know that in the day-to-day, the flu here, influenza infections mm-hmm. are a lot more dangerous for our population right now. Influenza kills a lot more people and infects a lot more people right now than coronavirus will ever do. So, uh, and that is important for folks to know because, yes, coronavirus is on the news, but we need to be uh, very mindful of all the things that are already here. Now, in the there is a, so many people now that have caught this, what they call the bug that is going around. You know, so many kids are out of school in in Athens and surrounding counties uh, because of, of the flu. Now, mm-hmm. coronavirus eventually will get here. We were hearing earlier in the, uh, in the newscast that uh, there is another suspected case uh, in Ohio that is being uh, investigated um, for possible coronavirus, and eventually it will get to us. Now, it's important to remind folks that we have the means to protect ourselves, and the means are the same means that you would use to protect yourself from the flu. You know, wash your hands uh, often, uh, if you have, uh, uh, you know, protect yourself from coughing, you know, just cover your mouth, mm-hmm. uh, cough into your uh, um, elbow, um, and uh, use hand sanitizer. Try to isolate yourself from people if you're sick so you don't spread the, the disease. And common precautions like that, those are going to keep the population safe from coronavirus as well. Well... Mario, I appreciate your coming in. Maybe um, every so often we should um, have you in again and and refresh people's memories on uh, precautions they can take because uh, it's no fun to be sick, right? It is not fun to be sick. And, uh, you know, I I think that there is a lot of of things that we can do to protect ourselves, our family, and our community. Getting vaccinated, getting immunized is super important. Okay. Okay. Scott, uh, I think we have a free-for-all scheduled for tomorrow, right? I think so, yes. Okay. Uh, Folks, be careful out there. Uh, Watch the weather. Be safe. All that sort of thing. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Once again, 46 are high today, 28 tonight. 35 tomorrow. We're out of time. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. 
This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Crystal Cruises. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The standing ovation went on for more than a minute when President Trump rose to make his first public comment since he was acquitted at his impeachment trial. CBS's Stephen Portnoy. Taking a somber tone, President Trump told the National Prayer Breakfast he and his family have been put through a terrible ordeal. By some very dishonest and corrupt people. With House Speaker Nancy Pelosi sitting on the dais, he praised Republicans who stood with him yesterday as courageous. I don't like people who use their faith as justification for doing what they know is wrong. Mitt Romney said his faith and his conscience compelled him to vote to convict Mr. Trump. Romney tells the New York Times The Daily Podcast. I believe that attempting to corrupt an election to maintain power Mm-hmm. is about as an egregious an assault on the Constitution as can be made. He says he's ready for the political fallout back home in Utah. Three days after the Iowa Democratic Caucus and the app debacle, results are in from 97% of precincts. They show Pete Buttigieg narrowly leading Bernie Sanders, with Elizabeth Warren in third place, Joe Biden in fourth. Correspondent Ed O'Keefe on the campaign trail in New Hampshire. The Iowa results so far show 38-year-old Buttigieg was able to find broad support across the state, especially in rural counties and across all age groups. But close behind Buttigieg is Bernie Sanders, who's polling at the top in New Hampshire. We're going to end the divisiveness in this country. And we're going to bring people together. A New York Times analysis finds the Iowa vote counts riddled with mistakes. A 12th case of coronavirus has been confirmed in the U.S. in Wisconsin. Three separate plane loads of Americans flown home from Wuhan, China over the past week are still quarantined. Priscilla Dickey and her daughter are waiting it out in California. They're basically going to make sure they're, they're keeping a really good eye on us. The global death toll from the virus is up to 563. A new investigation finds a popular car booster seat is not safe. CBS's Chris Van Cleve. Evenflow declined our request for an on-camera interview but said in a statement the company is a pioneer in side impact testing and it provides safe, effective and affordable products, adding it complies with all federal regulations, which do allow booster seats to be sold for kids weighing 30 pounds and up. Video from ProPublica shows a child-sized dummy being violently tossed around in a crash test. Critics call it literary blackface, Barnes & Noble canceling plans to reissue 12 classics with major characters depicted on the cover with dark skin. Books include Moby Dick and the Wizard of Oz, honoring Black History Month. This is CBS News. Crystal, the world's most awarded luxury cruise line. Visit crystalcruises.com today to plan your next global adventure. Crystal, where luxury is personal. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.23%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record 10 years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rates subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.
The Stones are ready to roll again. A few days ago, the Rolling Stones tweeted, Feeling restless. Restless no more. The band has announced it'll be back on the road in the U.S. with more than a dozen dates. It all begins May 8th in San Diego. There's plenty of downtime in between concerts, and the tour wraps up in Atlanta July 9th. Just weeks before frontman Mick Jagger turns 77. Steve Kathan, CBS News. An American astronaut is back on Earth after setting a new record. Soyuz MS-13 carrying Christine.